With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Licking On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Licking On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, September 16th, 2019. We say that for all of those of you that are listening on a downloaded basis. Welcome to another Lickin' on Lending podcast. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment to you is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Today's hot topic is really kicking off a series on leadership. I'm really excited about a series of podcasts. I will interrupt it with different things we have coming going on. But for the rest of the year, we're really going to focus in on leadership. And today we have Ken Jones, who's president of ResX Warehouse Lending, a division of United Bank. And he's on the program today to not talk about warehouse lending, but specifically talk about expanding your business through effective leadership. And it comes down to what he refers to as three pillars of successful leadership. We're going to be talking about that in the Hot Topic segment, so stay tuned to the Hot Topic part of the podcast. Anyway, we're proud to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check it out, industrysyndicate.com. You can check out all the podcasters that are on there. We started out, we were the only ones. Now we got a whole crowded field of podcasters and it's all great content. encourage you to find the one that takes care of your needs, but we're thrilled to have you as a listener. Anyway, Mitch Cohn, the Director of Public Relations and Marketing and Communications of Black Knight, sent some over information. He says, as you recall, last week, the Freddie Mac rate survey ticked down below 3.49%, and the population increased as the high-quality refinance candidates surged over 11.7 million. Well, the 30-year average inched back up, as we all know, in the mortgage business, through to 3.56. And just like that, nearly 2 million borrowers fell off of the refinance population. So isn't it interesting how rates can have such a dramatic effect on it? I tell you, you need to check out what Black Knight puts out in their data and research. Again, servicing, what is it, over 70% of all loans in America? I'm not sure that's 100% correct. I double check it, but I think it is. Over 70% of all loans are being serviced on the MSP, Black Knight MSP system. So they got some pretty good data and they have some great analytics. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. Let's start off by thanking Black Knight. We were just talking about their intelligence platform. They have an actionable intelligence platform that can deliver data that drives growth and reduces costs. So go to blacknightinc.com. Check them out. Also, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Pleased to have a partnership with them along with the Community Mortgage Lenders of America. So both these associations will give you the opportunity to be 
to go to conferences and network very effectively. Now, the MBA is definitely the granddaddy of them all, but the Community Mortgage Lenders of America coordinates with the MBA to, on lobbying. So a lot of great stuff there. We're looking forward to having some guests on from that group. Also, Open Mortgage, a leading buyer of reverse mortgages and home of some of the top LOs. And we'll be hearing from Scott in just a minute with the Science of Sales as well as Finastra, who's got the mortgage bot solution, automatically addresses compliance issues. But the thing I'm really excited about what they're doing so well is their point of sale technology, that app they have. They have an app that's going to be just so effective at allowing you to compete with that other company out there. We all know it is. It's got a rocket associated with it. But anyway, and then also we're thrilled to have ResX Warehouse Lending, a division of United Bank as a lender. Again, Ken here, Ken Jones, our hot topic guest is with them, as well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co-ops create competitive advantages for both lenders and vendor members. And also want to say thank you to Velma for their support of our podcast. We use their platform for emailing out all the information as well as KnowledgeCube, providing fun and easy training for mortgage lenders, as well as Vidyard, the powerful video communications technology enabling you to connect with your customers. And then when it comes down to making decisions, we need to be making them faster at a lower cost. That's why we have as a sponsor, and pleased to have as a sponsor, AI Assist, powered by Conversica. Listen to Roman Venfield's interview on July 15th of this year. And we're talking about marketing your business through artificial intelligence. This conversational AI, folks, is just amazing. Also, I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Andy, Alan, and Joe for their contributions to this podcast each and every week. Let's get over to Rob Van Ramphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapports. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, the Senate Banking Committee heard testimony from the key architects of the Trump administration's plan to reform the country's housing finance system and end the conservatorship of the GSEs. Witnesses were Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, HUD Secretary Ben Carson, and FHFA Director Mark Calabria. Senators mostly agreed that the current state of affairs when it comes to the Treasury Department's backing of the GSEs was risky for taxpayers and untenable, and both sides of the aisle debated how to unwind the two enterprises. Also last week, MBA, together with other key trade associations, submitted comments to HUD on the FHA's reproposed draft of the annual certification required of FHA-approved lenders. The letter strongly supports HUD's changes to the original proposal, which reflects recommendations made by MBA. In responding to the latest proposal, the organizations made minor recommendations to align definitions in the annual certification language with already existing definitions in the FHA handbook. In addition, the letter requested that FHA clarify that lenders need not redisclose previously self-reported issues when signing the certification. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. Appreciate you taking the time to supply us that soundbite of what's going on. You're not a member of Mortgage Action Alliance at the NBA. Please check it out, Mortgage Action Alliance. I was on the app this weekend sending off notifications to senators and legislators about some of the issues that are important. It makes it so easy when you have that app on your phone, on your smart device. Sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance. Search for that app in the App Store. Be sure to download it and use it. And you don't have to be a member of the NBA to have your voice be heard. How about that? So cool. Very grateful for all that they do. Yeah, I was thinking as he was talking about HUD Secretary Ben Carson. And the other thing that was in the news is, hey, we got these important things like that. 
But you know what? Everyone was really obsessing on Ben Carson's $31,000 dining room set that was supposedly his wife or he ordered for his office. I go, I'm like, what the heck do you need a dining $31,000 dining suit? But they made such a big deal of it. Anyway, he canceled the order. It's all that. Lots of thoughts about Ben Carson, his leadership within the uh, administration, and very interested in hearing him speak here at the MBA, the National MBA Conference here in Austin, Texas. Coming up, he'll be speaking. Personally, a big fan of Ben Carson. Met him in the green room in Fox Studios, and I like this guy. Uh, master of understatement. Probably the master of being quiet. He's a good listener. We'll uh, see what he has to say when he's here with his prepared comments. But talking about prepared comments, let's run over to Les Parker with a macro view of the markets. The TM Spotlight. Les. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Amesworth Advisors. Waterloo. Who was defeated? Who won the war? Mario, promise to buy bonds forevermore. Who is facing their Waterloo? France, Japan, Germany? The answer is the G4 central banks broadly and Mario Draghi, the soon-to-be ex-president of the European Central Bank, specifically. The woke market sees declining growth and low inflation from excess debt. The market can address it by repricing assets, but the central banks don't trust the untethered market forces. Central bankers cannot create inflation nor stimulate growth, but they sure can sound big and powerful. The good intentions of central bankers create moral hazard. Is Mario finally facing his Waterloo? These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. I was talking to Les over this week, and I was talking about the songs you come up with. How do you do that? And he said in his newsletter, where you could go out and check out at tmspotlight.com, he writes and it gives you a hint about the song, and he has you guessing. So you don't actually get to listen to it in the soundbite, but you get to listen to it here on Licking on Lending. Good job, Les Parker. Appreciate you and Gary Canterbone turning out great stuff each and every week. Joe Farr, good to have you on the podcast again. Let's get an update from you on what's on the economic calendar this week that could be messing with us. Well, it's a Fed, but you know, uh, yeah. so far it's today. It's the drone strikes on the Saudi Arabian oil fields are are being yeah. good to us. MBS prices are up about twenty five basis points. Unfortunately, the stock market's down, but that's kind of how things have been rolling. Where what's good for the MBS market's not good for the stock market. Iran's being blamed for it by some in the U.S. Supposedly there's some data to back that up, but it sure raises the question of what might happen next and how retaliation may be carried out. So uh, that's got the market kind of spooked, and so the sell-off in stocks is good for bonds. Yeah, maybe a good day to lock alone. Yeah, last week was a bad week. As I'm sure everyone knows, uh, MBS prices fell about 130 basis points during the week. Like I was mentioning, what's good for MBS is not good for stocks and vice versa. The stock market was up about 400 points last week on the Dow. And that just continued the trend so far for September. Today's about the first day after September 3rd that we've been up on MBS prices. So it's been a tough week. I mean, part of it should have been good for, I mean, the ECB meeting. Uh, should have been good yeah. for MBS prices. Dropping rates was actually what they did was pretty much as expected, but at least the, the ECB confirmed that they were installing a new QE program. 
should have been good for bonds and was initially, but by the time the day was over, all the benefit that occurred early had been reversed, and in fact, that was a down day. You know, Brexit has been a big part of the news lately. Uh, last week, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you all the legislative maneuvering things that were going on, but in the end, it looks as though the chance of a no-deal Brexit on October 31st has diminished some which may be good for the market, good for stocks, but there's still a lot going on inside the legal maneuvering that's going on in Great Britain to uh, have an impact on markets in the weeks to come. The data that came out last week was mixed for interest rates. Of course, CPI rose more than expected, and retail sales with uh, without autos was a little lower than expected. And both of those things are going to weigh on the Fed this week, which is going to be the big driver for MBS prices, I think, this week. A 25 basis point cut in Fed funds rates expected. Although the expectation for that has fallen some, it is now at 65%, whereas last week it was up to hmm. 95%. You know, part of that, I think, was following the rise in core CPI. And looking longer term, you know, the, the Fed expects that 25 basis point cut. But they'll really be looking for guidance as to what's going on in future rate cuts. And I looked out in the last week, the expectation of a third rate cut this year has fallen from about 50% to 15%. So people aren't expecting as much help from the Fed as it relates to stimulating the market than than what had been the case just a week ago. So watch for the statement to come out at 2 on Wednesday and 2 Eastern time, and the press conference will follow that at 2.30. Then the housing, there's a lot of housing data to come out next week, or this week, Dave. Home builder sentiment comes out tomorrow. Housing starts on Wednesday and existing home sales on Thursday. And even though we've seen a lot of volatility in interest rates, you know, you would have expected that the drop in rates that occurred would have been good for existing home sales, but there is a small drop expected from the July level. Interesting. And that's it. That's it. Yep, 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 yep. Existing home sales, well, we're in the seasonal, starting to slow down a little bit, but yeah, uh, we'll start seeing some of that data show up there. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, with you know, Interest rates bumping up, taking 2 million prospective refinance people out of the market, people are Americans out of the refinance market. It's interesting to see what the volume levels are going to do this fall. And are we going to find ourselves in a situation where we're struggling to get some business in the door? Well, our next segment, Scott Gordon of Open Mortgage, talks about the science of sales. How do you really feel about realtors? Are they your referral source or your business partner? Hey, everyone. Scott Gordon here with a bit of sales science. It's often said that facts don't have feelings, but behavioral scientists are discovering more and more that the way we feel shapes our reality more than facts. So facts may not have feelings, but for many people, feelings are facts. What does this have to do with realtors? Well, let me ask you. When you think of realtors as referral partners, are you really thinking of them as referral partners or referral sources? This is a very important question to ask yourself. Every action you take toward those relationships will stem from your answer. If you feel that your realtors are sources of referrals, your actions are going to be very different. A source is not a partnership. You're going to invest the minimum amount of time into a source in order to extract the maximum profit. The problem with that is your source is a human being, and they are going to feel and perceive your actions. On the other hand, if you feel that your realtors are your partners, you're going to approach them differently. Partnerships are based on establishing and providing value. There are countless ways to provide value in your relationship, but they mean little if you aren't really feeling it. So, how do you feel about your realtors? Your answer says everything. 
If this sounds too good to be true, it's not. It's just the science of sales. Good job, Scott. Love the science of sales. We've got some more people quoting, calling me and saying, hey, by the way, I love that science of sales segment. If you want to get a message out on the podcast, I encourage you to check out our website. Love to help you get your message out. I love that one. Scott's getting well known for the science of sales segment. Alice Alvey is here, and I always wanted to do the old Johnny Carson, and now here's Alice, CMB Vice President <laughs> of Education Training at Union Home Mortgage. Alice Alvey, what you got for the legislative update, my friend? Good to hear your voice. Yeah, well, you know, that was a great show. I think we own the old, you know, you can get the collection and go back and watch all of those. There were just some, I mean, the whole idea of drinking oh. and smoking on TV. I know. <laughs> Boy, talk about a change, how things have changed. Isn't that the truth? Amazing. So, yeah, a whole different world today. All right. So, believe it or not, Congress is actually getting a couple of things done. And one interesting thing that passed the House on September 10th, which I thought was really interesting. It's House Bill 2852, and this is a simple piece of legislation to allow all appraisers to be eligible to conduct FHA appraisals. So in other words, kind of do away with that FHA certification and just go with, hey, if you're properly licensed, you know, at the state level, then why can't they also conduct an FHA appraisal? Uh, It really would help the market, you know, take away a lot of red tape that goes on with FHAs. Obviously, you have the other side of the camp that gets concerned about the quality and making sure the appraisers understand all the nuances of the additional repairs required. But, you know, that's easy enough to teach if you ask me. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if anything happens. That was presented actually by Brad Sherman, a Democrat out of California, called the Home Buyer Assistance Act. Another bill that came out that was passed last week, really not directly related to many of us uh, who listen in, because this is for low uh, to moderate income tenants in multifamily. But I do like to watch that market. I think it's all worth it for all of us to really be aware when the rural housing service is going to be expanding their products. And I think there is a market there to at least understand on how it impacts single family as well. So that's HR 360 also passed the house. Quick, quick note, today is your last day to comment on the QM rule. We talked about this on a previous show, the qualified mortgage definition under the Truth in Lending Act. Everything has to be posted by today to be able to get your two cents on really one of the fundamentals is do we still need to have a 43 DTI as a guideline for a qualified mortgage or non-qualified mortgage? For those of you who are trying to remember how all this works, the biggest thing is that right now an approved eligible or accept from Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac automatically meets the qualified mortgage definition. Well, we have to come up with something that's in writing that we would say this works for all loans and is not dependent on Fannie or Freddie's automated underwriting decision. Uh, We just work independently. And uh, we're all for uh, that at some point on some risky products, there's a DTI consideration, but we certainly don't want that across the board on all our products. So there's lots to look at there. The MBA, I have to check. I meant to check this morning. I believe they should make sure they have theirs published by today. There's lots of uh, things, but please make sure that you reach out and comment about uh, the need for this, that it affects roughly $260 billion in originations that would now be a challenge as to how to determine that they are a qualified mortgage and the borrower is demonstrating they have the ability to repay. So read other folks' comments that are posted. That will help guide your own and look for the MBAs. That's my quick update for today, Dave. I'll give it back to you. 
Good job. Really appreciate it, Alice. Be sure to say hi to, in fact, we're looking forward to having Bill Cosgrove on the podcast on leadership. I can't wait for you to nail that down. So get that scheduled. Or have we already gotten that scheduled? I'm still working on it. I think we do. Oh, you're working on it. Good, good, good. Keep working on it, Alice. You do so awesome. Good. Appreciate you so much. Appreciate your contributions for more than 10 years to this podcast. Very much appreciated. Alice runs training there at Union Home Mortgage, and we're always looking for good LMS or learning management systems. And I want you guys to consider Knowledge Cube. If you're looking for a fun and easy training technology, check out our friends at Knowledge Cube. Hey, Nathan here from the Knowledge Cube. Do you need to teach a course? Have you considered maybe using the Socratic method? See, it's a process of using questions that engage learners to question their assumptions in order to eliminate contradictions. The primary goal is not to have listeners try to answer unanswerable questions, but to get them to develop critical thinking and to keep them engaged in your topic. Have you got some training to do? Check out the Knowledge Cube for fun and easy video-based training for the mortgage professionals out there. And it's all powered by a smart digital platform. Check out knowledgecoop.com. Alan Pollock, good to have you here with this week's weekly tech update. Hey, good to be here. Johnny Carson, and here's <laughs> Alan. But I guess that would get a little old after a while. So are you sitting there holding yeah, a cigarette, smoking, giving us a report? Boy, can you believe that? That's a foreign concept today. Imagine having a talk show host holding a cigarette and drinking, I don't know, anyway. Back then, it was a, it was a dirty martini, so they had olives for lunch. <laughs> That's right. Oh, hey, what's he got for tech update? Let's move to the modern world here. Yes, let's do it. So today's a good one. First, I want to start with the Digital Mortgage Conference coming up this weekend, starting uh, really, you know, everyone starts checking in on Sunday, and we've got Monday, Tuesday, and part of Wednesday maybe with some fantastic content. I've already downloaded the app and gone through the content. There are a number of companies that I've never heard of, so that's the good thing. There's some uh, new technology, new Silicon Valley money coming in. And I think in addition, there's a bunch of companies that I'm excited to see some updates. So if you happen to be just be in Vegas, you want to be a last minute registration, you want to head on over. And if you're going to be there, uh, I would love to spend some couple minutes and say hi to you. But either way, that is uh, coming up starting on Sunday. So that's a good thing. The next is, you know, there's been a lot of news today on a company called Simplest. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this for a moment, Dave, is it's, it's unique because, you know, we, we always talk about QA or QM versus non-QM. We talk about you know, the, how credit requirements are sort of expanding, uh, non-traditional lending. Well, anyways, what they're doing is um, they're, they're, they're brokering loans, but they've created technology uh, where a borrower can, that, that is not necessarily qualified by traditional means. They could be self-employed. They could have a different financial makeup. They're not part of the traditional workforce. This will qualify borrowers and help match them. There's 25 lenders built into their system right now, some regional, some local banks, and they also have refinancing options. So, if you're interested in learning more about Simplest, you want to check that out. Great, fantastic use of technology. If I was to sum it up, David, right, in the non-traditional way, let's say, it's a pricing and eligibility engine that has a bunch of different guidelines, and they've got a bunch of content and data that they're able to, um, to validate. And you collect the right amount of data, non-traditional data, let's say. Um, you have the ability to, uh, to have different things in there. And then, of course, you partner with different banks and credit unions, and you could have or lenders rather, and you can have uh, their rates and programs in there. So if you're looking to integrate or you, you need that, you know, you have certain originators that need that extra type of product, then that's something you want to look at. And there's a few folks out there very similar to Simplest. This one, Dave, you know, I thought this was pretty good. Better.com. 
They just did a $160 million Series C round of funding, and they made an announcement that they are going uh, to be opening in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they mm-hmm. are currently hiring sales, software engineering partnerships in different operational positions, and they expect in the next few years to hire up to 1,000 different people. So I brought that up because I know that there's, there's uh, some of my friends alone have, have worked for one or two different companies, and there's been some layoffs. No indication of where the industry is going, just that certain you know, companies make changes from time to time. Anyways, better.com is out there. Uh, you want to check it out. They do have active listings right now, even for underwriting positions. And then, you know, David, getting back to the topic we spent a few weeks on, and I've brought up different points. Last week was security. We talked about build versus buy. There's, there's a myth out there. Remember, the new acronym is DWTUT, Decide Where to Use Technology. And there's this myth out there. The myth is that you can use Salesforce to build your own system. And I'm sure you've heard it. I've run across it multiple times. And no doubt you can be successful with Salesforce. But I, I just wanted to talk about that for a moment today. As we look at the different technology solutions coming out, we, we look at, right, we've, we've heard plenty of times, death by a thousand cuts, how people yeah. build for different technology. And you consider, do you build or do you buy or do you partner? Salesforce, they've just, they just made a big announcement about their new mobile platform. Um, they do have the ability, especially if you're using them as your CRM, to institutionalize more of your process in their platform. And where I'm going with this is, I want to talk about how it can be difficult. And what's difficult about it is that you have another piece of technology where you still need a technology team. So if you're looking at this saying, hey, I don't need to partner with certain other technology vendors. I'm just going to, I'm going to have people that know Salesforce. I can find them online. Upwork is in site where you can grab quick people, or I have some staff that knows it. Uh, And we're going to build an app. We're going to build our own, our own system. You still, there's certain things you still have to keep in mind. Some of those are, the fact that you're inserting a brand new piece of technology and process in the middle of a transaction that would usually flow from point A to point B. So you've pushed the point B transaction to point C, and you've implemented something in point B, meaning it's more complex to, to manage that transaction, meaning that there's more to debug, there's more hands touching a transaction, and then more importantly, it's the security. You're actually taking data and you're putting it in route into another system. So all of those things considered and what you're looking for, it's possible that you can be very successful. And recently I saw a Salesforce app that actually integrated with multiple systems and was not bad at all. And I also really? worked with a yeah, and I worked with a lender about a year and a half ago that that put together an app that went through Salesforce and they remodeled the data on their own. What wound up happening is they had to acquire more systems to make everything sort of massage it right, and they created more work, and now they're looking to get off that platform. But anyways, you can be successful. But it may be better as you think about building versus buying versus partnering to figure out what your partners are doing, and would you be better off spending the money to partner and advance someone's roadmap? The reason why is you still need a technology staff. You may be better off managing the project rather than building and maintaining the project but beyond that, if your partners or new vendors come out with these features in, in more of a substantial way that you're using them today, then what you build may be throwaway. So consider those things. It's not a myth buster, but it is a myth that you can be highly successful building apps on Salesforce. Consider the right place, the right time, and the right amount of capital to do so. Yeah. And beyond that, David, there'll be definitely lots of new stuff this weekend at Digital Mortgage. Yep. I can't wait to get a report from Digital Mortgage from you next week. Be good. 
Sounds so good. when is that digital mortgage conference? It starts on what day in Vegas? It starts Sunday. Starts on Sunday. Huh. Well, good. Have a good time. See travels there. Look forward to hearing more. This whole Salesforce thing, I mean, I, some of these apps I get so, or these CRMs take so much support. Like, I mean, we went with HubSpot and, mm-hmm. you know, we dialed it back to more of the simpler version because I was going to say there's more here and it takes a staff of one, two, three people to be able to really make this thing really effective. So we just dialed it back to the simple version. Sometimes simple is better, especially when it comes to cost and overall effectiveness. That's a fantastic so, point. Yep. So true. It's learned from experience. So it's talking to one of our clients on this very point on a CRM. They're looking at it and they go, oh, we're going to go to Salesforce. I go, why is that? Because it's, it's the biggest. It's the most widely used. I said, have you thought about this to support that? And they go, yeah, we did, but it shouldn't be that bad. Then I said, why don't you do some research on it? So be interested in what they come back with. I need to get them over to you. Anyway, thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate you being here each and every week with the tech update. And look forward to these kind of giving us a little bit of a flavor on uh, what you're hearing from the floor. Hopefully you can break away from the conference to be here with us. Appreciate you, Alan. Thank you so much. Folks, let's talk about our friends at Finastra. Dan Putney and I are good friends. I like this guy so much. And, you know, there's many things about Finastra. They've got all the banking systems that are out there, so many products, third largest fintech company in the world. But the product I'm encouraging a mortgage, especially the independent mortgage bankers, to look at is their point-of-sale technology. You can learn about it by going to our website, look at a lending website, go under advertisers, and listen to our recording of Eric Schwab, who is with Bank of the Midwest. Bank of Midwest. And uh, they're doing a great job. And what's interesting about that interview, it's in the smaller rural markets where they're having some of the best success with this point-of-sale app. It is a great competitor to any of the leading technology out there. Check it out at finastra.com. Andy Shell, good to have you, the profit doctor in the house. Always fun to hear your perspective. And uh, Andy and I were going to do barbecue this weekend, and then we switched it over to an airplane show. I mean, we did the local air show, and you're just so busy with this doctorate stuff. You've got to finish this up so you start having fun. Well, and I really wanted to go see you at the airplane show, and I actually forgot about that I had <laughs> the uh, dissertation defense on Wednesday yeah. along with a class that I teach on Wednesday and I had to prepare more for both so I spent all weekend working I just I didn't have my calendar keeping up with my activities so this Wednesday is mortgage accounting webinar series number two so this Wednesday through the Mortgage Bankers Association you can listen to how to do loan level accounting how to know what your profit per branch is how to know what your profit per originator is and your profit per product you know, this is really fundamental and essential for success in mortgage banking. And you don't have to have a super high-end system to do it. You can do it with QuickBooks. But there are some really good high-end systems out there that the two leaders are Loan Vision and Accounting for Mortgage Bankers. And during this webinar, we're going to talk about some of the things that go boom in the night, the things that, mm. that are, whoops, oh, you mean I'm going to go to jail now? So we want, to, we want to cover those items. So I'll give wow. you a quick preview. One of the things is a, is a fairly complicated topic to get your head around, and it's called net funding escrow. So what net funding escrow means is that when a customer comes to the closing table and they bring $5,000 to pay for future payments of hazard insurance, taxes, whatever else, 
And then we use that $5,000 and actually lower the amount of our warehouse line borrowing in order to fund the loan. Well, okay, so we did that. And at month end, we have to segregate those funds. Actually, in California, you have to segregate it for every single transaction. So people don't realize that this is a rule. It's actually a requirement. This is a, a fiduciary event. Holding somebody, when you're a business and a customer gives you their money to hold for them for their future benefit, that is a fiduciary event. And a fiduciary event means that the funds have to be segregated. You have to actually put their money in a separate cash oh, account yeah. from yours. Now, in California, you get in big, 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 big bad trouble if you don't do this right. And we've helped people get it fixed. And this webinar will show you how to identify this, how to set it up so that you don't have this problem. Now, the other problem that is sort of an unknown item that's a, that potentially creates the big boom in the night, and that is collecting first payments. So some lenders go, well, we don't ever get first payments. Well, you probably do, just that your accounting you department probably do, takes yeah. care of it. Yeah, yeah if, if the purchase by the investor is after the cutoff date to give two weeks' notice to the customer, then you're gonna, the lender's going to get the first payment and the investor gets the second payment. When that happens, when you collect that first payment, that means that when you call the customer, you have to follow the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. And you are supposed to make certain that the people who call the customer as a debt collector, because there's the money that's owed to you and your business, you have to actually send them to training and document that they've had training. And also, if you don't ever collect it, that's a first payment default. And that's a repurchase risk for the life of the uh, loan. Yes. Yes. And if you don't collect yes. the payment, the whole payment gets written off. So it's a loss, and it's a regulatory violation, and it's a if you don't if you don't collect them with your accounting people who are making these phone calls to, hey, send us your payment under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act requirements. So net funding escrow, first payment collection are things that people don't even think about. But we do an accounting, and we talk about it in the webinar, and we show people how to do it right the first time because we don't want the surprises that surface from stuff like this. So there you go, Dave. There's a preview of the webinar and – some important information people need to know. As, as stupid as it sounds, you can get in trouble if you don't do this stuff right. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it, especially when you come in with borrowers' money, they get a little fussy about that and how it's handled. It's really, really important. That's a great point. It's a great reminder. I'd forgotten that. We advise on a lot of different issues, but that's why you need the consulting services of Andy Shell, CPA, CFF, CMB, and soon to be the PhD doctor. And yes, sir. The Very profit doctor with this a week, real hopefully. official title, doctor. How cool hopefully is that? Hopefully this week. You bet. <laughs> yeah. Someone just wrote me and said, hey, Lincoln, you don't talk about the digital business card anymore. Did you stop using that? Was that a fad? No, it, it works, folks. It really, really, really does. It's something that I use regularly. Don't even carry business cards with me. Okay, so I may carry some old wrinkled up ones I have in my wallet for the fishbowl when you're walking around the conference. You throw it in there and see if you'll win something. But anyway, uh, as far as the day-to-day -day operations, I've gone to the Digital Business Card. Check it out on our website, Digital Business Card. Look at our lending, upper right-hand corner, the Digital Business Card. Nice thing is you can 
track when someone opens it you know what's going on so appreciate you guys being regular listeners this ends the regular weekly update and now we're about ready to head into the hot topic segment special thank you goes out to our sponsors black knight open mortgage resex warehouse lending a division of united bank and then also mba the lenders one cooperative as well as the mortgage collaborative cooperative cmla community mortgage lenders of america Velma, Knowledge Group, Vidyard, and AI Assist. Thank you for listening, and have a great week, everybody. See you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.